0: Hi, my name is Art Tomasetti, and welcome to this special Halloween edition of the Flight Test Safety Podcast. A podcast where we'll talk about frightful flights, terrifying test points, and ghostly gremlins. Now, what a great idea, a Halloween-themed podcast. And I wish I could take credit for that idea, but I can't. Credit goes to Mark Jones, our editor of the Flight Test Safety Fact, in coming up with the idea to do a special October edition of our newsletter. So I thought I would just continue the theme in the podcast. Now, the Flight Test Safety Fact will also release today, so don't miss it. If you don't already get a copy, you can find it in the news section of our website, www.flighttestsafety.org. Now, Mark's gonna cover the connection between the color orange and flight test in the newsletter, so I needed to find a different topic. I thought I would do a little research and see if I could find any creepy tales of mysterious test flights, haunted control rooms, possessed aircraft, or monsters. Maybe even a demon demon that lived in the air. air. They said whoever challenged him would die. Their controls would freeze up. Their planes would buffet wildly. And they would disintegrate. The demon lived at Mach 1 on the meter. 750 miles an hour. Where the air could no longer move out of the way. He lived behind a barrier through which they said no man could ever pass. They called it the Sound Barrier. Okay, I couldn't resist that. You may recognize that narration from the movie The Right Stuff. Superstitious talk, right? We all know that there's no demon that lives at the Sound Barrier. But the phenomena that occurred in that transitional region took a while before it could be fully explained and conquered. Flight tests had to go vanquish that particular demon. And as one of my TPS instructors, Jim Neuist, used to say in his best Stevie Wonder voice, Another peculiar thing I came across in my research was related to numbers. Not unusual. We humans have always had an issue with the number 13. Well, at least most humans do. Not me, of course. I was born on a Friday the 13th, so 13 and I get along just fine. If all hotels had a 13th floor, I would definitely book a room there every single time. 13th floor. But I came across an incident that happened to the X-15 in November of 1967. Flight 3, TAC-65, TAC-97, also known as X-15 Flight 191 because it was the 191st free flight of the X-15, was a suborbital space flight piloted by Michael J. Adams that ended in tragedy when the aircraft broke apart minutes after launch due to technical difficulties, killing the pilot and destroying the plane. A tragic event, but here's something peculiar: it was not the only incident involving a flight with the number 191. There were several others. In 1963, Aeroflot Flight 191 crashed on final approach. In 1972, Prinair Flight 191 crashed in Puerto Rico. In 1979, American Airlines Flight 191 crashed shortly after takeoff from Chicago's O'Hare Airport. In 1985, Delta Airlines Flight 191 crashed on final approach to DFW. In 2006, Comair Flight 191 crashed on takeoff from the wrong one-way in Kentucky. And in 2012, JetBlue Flight 191 from New York to Las Vegas diverted to Amarillo, Texas due to erratic pilot behavior. But it's just a number, right? I mean, it's not like we would identify a risk for a 191st test flight based on a superstition or coincidence. But if you did ID it as a risk, where exactly would it fall on your risk matrix, 2D or 3D? The last thing I came across in my internet sleuthing was a story about an A6 intruder, tail number, no, not 191, because that would have just been entirely too weird. But tail number NE510 assigned to the U.S. Navy Attack Squadron VA-145, the Swordsman, back in 1988. The aircraft was with the squadron at Whidbey Island in Washington State. It had arrived at the squadron in a non-flyable condition, but maintenance team worked to get it back into the air. And a former maintainer recalled in a recent article I read, I had a bad feeling about this airplane the moment I laid eyes on it. Now, once back flying, the aircraft experienced minor issues, initially one of which was the speed brakes failing in flight. Now, on the A6, the speed brakes were on the wingtips and were routinely used on approach to landing to allow pilots to keep the engine throttles in a more responsive range. But as time went on, the speed brakes would fail more often. And the maintenance couldn't find anything wrong with them. They even tried to replicate flight conditions by spraying fire extinguishers on suspect components to sort of simulate the cold effects at high altitudes. But they could not replicate the failure. Now, the squadron went on to embark on the USS Ranger for a six-month deployment during which time it was reported that only test pilots could fly the airplane. Now, eventually Aircraft 510 became a parts bird, but its problems didn't stop there. Over the next several months, the aircraft would experience hydraulic problems, which had to be repaired. Once flying again, a pilot who had joined VA-145 from the squadron that gave them 510 started calling the aircraft Christine, named after the infamous Plymouth Fury in the Stephen King novel. Now, he had been in an incident with the aircraft where it had lost brakes and departed the runway. Now, that same pilot would experience another emergency scenario in the aircraft later that year that resulted in a forced landing at a civilian field. Now, after repairs, the aircraft was back on the flight schedule and in October departed on a two-ship practice bombing sortie. During that sortie, it would experience another hydraulic failure this time degrading to the point where the air crew was forced to eject when they could no longer control the airplane. And I suspect most military pilots can think back to an aircraft like Christine in their squadrons. Aircraft plagued by repetitive problems, frequent failures, mysterious behaviors, and of course, gremlins. I know, I know, gremlins, really? Next, you're going to start talking about Bigfoot or Yetis. But come on, you can't really have a Halloween edition of an aviation podcast without talking about gremlins. Now, after all, This month is the 59th anniversary of maybe one of the most famous Gremlin encounters ever. It occurred on a commercial aircraft flying at 20,000 feet in the Twilight Zone. Who could forget one of the most iconic Twilight Zone episodes ever, starring William Shatner, just before he would go on to be captain of his own flying machine. So let's close out this Halloween edition of the podcast with a frightful flight test story of our own. The time is the not-too-distant future. The place, an undisclosed flight test location on the east coast of southern Florida. Test aircraft 666, call sign Black Cat 13, is setting up for test card 1.3 at 13,000 feet over the Atlantic Ocean. Control setting up for test card 1.3. Black Hat 13, copy. We will need you to hold condition for at least 10 seconds for data collection. Copy. Ah. Accelerating. Matching Mach 1.2. Picking up some vibration. Having to make some minor control inputs to hold altitude. Copy. We are seeing that as well. There's Mach 1.6. I'm getting some weird reflections on the canopy, and I don't know if you can hear it, but there's this high-frequency noise coming over the comms. Everything looks nominal here, apart from the vibration. Can you describe the reflections? It's more like a shimmer, and it's pulsing. And the pulsing, it's, it's, it's like the same frequency as the sound. Black Cat 1-3, copy. Do you want to knock it off? Hang on, Control. I'm going to try some control sampling here. This is different from what we saw in the sim yesterday. Black Cat 13, say again. You were a little garbled. Control, I'm going to try and reset the comms. Maybe that will clear up this noise. Black Cat 13, say again. Black Cat 13, do you copy? Black Cat 13 vanished at 1313 Zulu time. We may never know what happened, but maybe one lesson we can take away from the strange occurrences that day was we should be very, very cautious around the unknown. But we should know that from just about every scary movie ever made. I actually gave a talk about lessons learned from horror movies that we could apply to flying, and here's my top five. Number five: Don't go down to the basement to check out the strange noise. Strange noises are strange for a reason. And sometimes I think we should add to our knock-it-off criteria. If anyone says, that's weird, we should stop. Number four. Shortcuts don't usually work out well. Stick to the plan. Number three. We all love technology. But remember Skynet, HAL, and just about any episode of Black Mirror. Technology can kill you if you let it. Understand your systems. Number two always have an escape plan fill the gas tank charge the car charge your phone and pick a direction preferably away from the noise the person in the mask the clown whatever now north's not a bad option very few horror movies take place in montana or canada just be sure to avoid maine because nearly every stephen king story happens there in flying know what you're going to do with the airplane if something goes wrong what's your safe condition and number one There have been 11, that's right, 11 Halloween movies. Michael Myers just keeps coming back. Lesson, danger is hard to get rid of. So be safe, be smart, and be ready. The Flight Test Safety Podcast is sponsored by Time to Climb Training and Consulting. Motivate your team to succeed, accelerate towards your goals, and elevate to a higher level of performance. On the web at www.time.com. The number 2, Klein.com.